Good, good morning, everyone. Hey, hey. So glad to have made the flight from Guilford, apparently. Pastor Dick, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. All right. All right, speaking of funny, I got something to tell you. So a local charity had never received a donation from the town's banker, so the director made a phone call. Our records show that you make $500,000 a year, yet you haven't given a penny to charity, the director began. Wouldn't you like to help the community? The banker replied, oh yeah, did your research show that my mother is ill with extremely expensive medical bills? Uh, No, mumbled the director or that my brother is blind and unemployed, or that my sister's husband died, leaving her broke with four kids? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I had no idea. The banker then replied, so you see, if I don't give them any money, why would I give any to you? All right, I got room for one more, one more. All right, settle down. So there, uh, it's, this is important stuff. Uh, there was a man who had, who had always tried to do things the right way. Uh, but when it came to taxes, he always felt like the government really wasn't being fair. But after hearing a sermon on Psalm 52 about lies and deceit, he, he felt convicted about his tax filing practices. So the man wrote a letter to the IRS I just can't sleep knowing that I've cheated on my income tax. Please find and close a check for $150. And if I find that I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. That's good. That's good. All right, all right, wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Is this being recorded? All right. All right, so today uh, I want to talk about money, but not not so much money, but uh, a worldview, a mindset. Um, uh, But I guess for today's purposes, money will be the the main reference I'll use. But I'm really talking about God's economy, how God uh, sees transactions in our lives and how God views uh, currency, how God views um, kind of the checks and balances of of the uh, the physical, but also the the spiritual. And it's funny because money it's a uh, it's a topic. I was just talking with someone before the the fact that you know you have everything in 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 the Christian realm of uh, people who hate talking about money, just don't like talking about it at all. And then you got people who love to talk about it and love to talk about how you can give to this ministry and give, 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 and people get rich off this. And so you have the extremes from one to another. And so it can leave people uh, pretty salty uh, depending on the the different experiences you've had with what you've heard and taught. Um, But the reality is that we do need to talk about this uh, because Jesus talked about this. The scriptures are loaded. They're chock full of references to money. Uh, Just for instance, do you know that there are just about 2,300 
So 2,300 scriptures that refer to wealth, money, uh, or possessions. Wow. So it's kind of a big deal, give or take. That's a big deal. And, and the fact that it's made of a big deal, it's, we need to talk about it. And um, I've, always, I've you know, pretty much come to know that something, you know, when you can't talk about something, that thing owns you. You need to be able to talk about it. You need to be able to hear. You need to be able to receive. You need to be able to give and take. And so um, it's, it's healthy to do that. But the Bible instructs us on how to handle uh, wealth, how we are to manage it. And um, even with Jesus, like I said, 11 of his 39 parables. 11 of his 39. You know, people think of like heaven and hell and salvation and healing. and 11 of 39 parables on money. So it's an easy illustration tool to communicate kingdom principles because of the relevant nature of money in our society. So <clears throat> my hope today is that we will uh, come away with maybe a better understanding of how God uses uh, money in our lives and, and how we can come away with a better understanding of how God's uh, economy looks uh, much different than maybe our typical American worldview, right? Probably true. Um, so let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you. It's a day that you have made, and so we rejoice, Lord. We are glad. We are glad because you are glad over us. You rejoice over us. And so in this place, I, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, God, that um, the things, the, the lessons, the, um, the principles that you want to communicate, that you want to convey in this place, I ask, Holy Spirit, by your power, by your uh, grace, and by your wisdom, that they would be uh, communicated well, and that even as I speak, Lord, you would be speaking in the ear of each person in this place, that they would walk away with whatever it is that you want them to walk away from, that it would be straight from your throne room, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> it's interesting. In my own life, the, the scripture that I've kind of been rattling around for a while is John 15, 1, 1 through 2. It's just uh, Jesus saying, I am the true vine. Uh, my father is the vine dresser. Uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And this idea of bearing fruit, being pruned, it's, uh, in, in, especially in this area of money, is God wants to, uh, he, he doesn't want to discipline, he doesn't want to take away, he wants to add to. He wants to bring us to a place of completeness, of wholeness um, in many areas. And so um, I look at this message even as I speak to myself as uh, the father is the uh, vine dresser in this. But you see, what we do with money uh, reveals the heart. Jesus is uh, very clear about the heart's motives um, and why it is important that we stay of single focus. But why so much about money? Why so much about how we handle what has been given to us? Well, we can start here. Um, this passage in Matthew gives us a clue. In Matthew 6, if you have your Bibles turned there, or we have that up there. Thank you. Um, starting in verse 19, it says this, Jesus speaking, saying, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus spoke about this idea of the treasure, you know, where, what do you value? What is, what is valuable in your life? What do you, what do you hold precious um, to you? And for a lot of people, money is a, is a sense of security. It's provision. It's, it's, it can be power in, in the, the right or the wrong hands, depending on what's done with it. You all know that money is an inanimate object, 
money in and of itself. It's not going to like do anything to you just sitting on a table. You know, it's not, it, the, I often misquote it when people say, oh, money's evil. You know, it's like, the love of money is evil. It's like, no, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so it's, it's what you do with it. Just I've, I've heard a great example of just like money used in the wrong hands. It can be used for good or evil, just like a brick in your hand. You can, you can use a brick and start building a hospital, or you can throw it through someone's windshield. Um, it, it's not so much the object as much as what you're doing with it. It's what you do with it. And so Jesus, in speaking about money, speaking about treasure, not, not because he was obsessed with this, but, but, or, or that he wanted us to have lots of it or whatever, but because he knew that money and how we handle it, how we manage what we've been given, is, ultimately can come down to a heart issue. It comes down to the heart. You know, he says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. Show me where your treasure is. I can tell you what your heart is after. That's what he's saying. And that is one of the most likely reasons for someone uh, not to follow him or, or give up on him. Like the rich young ruler that we read of that Jesus goes to loved so much. He loved this rich young man. Said, oh, you know, like, would you give up everything for me? Oh, that's a tough, that's a tough one. There was a lot of crying on that day. But money is important because, the, 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 like I said, the money in your wallet has no intrinsic value. It's obviously, it's worth whatever the government says it's worth. Um, it's, but it's, it's morally neutral and powerless, like I was saying. It's, it's, it, in, it depends on the, the hand that's holding it. But as Christians, and as we see money through God's eyes, the flip side is when we use money as a tool to invest in God's kingdom, right? Money becomes a powerful instrument of good, Right? So think for a moment about contemporary society. We, um, how many people's lives have been ruined because they've been seduced by money? You know, the, they choose a job because of what it pays, not because of, uh, you know, the fulfillment it provides, right? Uh, it's interesting. In Australia, one survey I was reading, uh, nearly 60% of people would just quit their job tomorrow if they had more money. That, that was the kind of what kept them, you know? Uh, their job choice and decision to remain is, is heavily inf influenced by, by money. Uh, money is important to the extent that how we think about it will impact uh, how we behave with it. Uh, taking this one step further, uh, how we think and behave with money uh, reflects our spiritual condition. When, when we hoard money, when we're envious of other people's money, when we, you know, the way we uh, interact with that, the way we spend money we don't have, um, there, there's a good chance we, we could be outside of what God's intention was. But Jesus presents us with a clear choice. Continue in Matthew uh, 6, just in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the issue is simple to Jesus. He says, who will you serve? The issue is, who will you serve? Who will you worship? Who will you follow after? Who, who will you pursue with all of your heart? Will we serve God or will we serve money? And notice Jesus said, you cannot serve both. He makes it very black and white. You cannot serve both. It is impossible. It is one or the other, and all of us need to choose. So why did Jesus make such a tough statement? Well, because he knew that our relationship with God would be so deeply impacted 
by our relationship with money. If we, if we worry about money, then we won't be trusting God, right? How I many of you know that? Like, you just start worrying about money, it's like, oh, like, God, I, I, I want to believe that you'll take care of me, right? It kind of, it turns from like the, God, I trust you, to God, God, I, I just want to believe. God, I want to believe, and God, I trust you are not the same thing. And if we're chasing after money, then it's doubtful that we're chasing after God and trying to advance his kingdom. So, as with the above verse, much of what God says about money are just really warning messages. They're warnings, if you think about it. They're like, hey, just so you know, this could happen. Be on the lookout. God wants nothing to come between him and us. Amen? That's what he's driving at. And so lastly, on that thought, we have a culture drowning in debt. And it's so widespread, it's so ingrained that very few people, believers and unbelievers alike, it doesn't matter, um, they just no one stops to consider the ramifications. I mean, just think of the government, the, the, the trillions of dollars. I mean, like, you know, when you become a slave nation to another, it, it puts you in quite a predicament, right? You know, the slave to the lender. Like, you, you, if someone's lent you money, you know, now you've got to work, you got to work your tail off. You've got to do what you need to do to catch up. And it's not, a, it's not a great position to be in, and God doesn't want us to be in that. And so the verses on debt in the Bible are all warning messages. They are warnings to help spur us on to, to, to live the way God wants us to live. And how true is that today? So anyway, so why do I say all this today? Well, I just want to make sure we walk away today with an awareness of how God is calling his people to manage what has been provided. You know, do you know that you are managing God's stuff? Everyone in here is managing God's stuff. And it's not just money. It's not just, you know, dollar bills. It's not just money in a bank account. It's, it's the talent you have. It's the giftings you have. It's the, it's the family you have. It's the friends that you make. It's the relationships. All of these things that we have are all gifts from God. Amen? Now today, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm teaching. Well, it's teaching, preaching, but. I'm kind of coming from a few presumed positions of understanding, so I'm not going to get into, like, really with tithing and stuff today. I mean, this, this could be a very expansive, long, long series. I am condensing this down, so if any of your favorite scriptures are missing, please know that I considered it, and it just didn't make the cut. Um, <laughs> that's all it is. That's all it is. It's not like, Eric, you missed the, oh, you forgot about the good one where, you know, I was like, nope, probably, probably had it, just had to. You know, some of you just have to live with and die with. Um, but there are principles in the Scripture, so the Old Testament starting there, that God institutes a system of giving, a system of stewardship with, uh, with Israel. And, I mean, I could go into references of, you know, how tithing in the law and 10% and, and, and uh, you know, let's go before law. Giving was before law. Cain and Abel bringing offerings to the Lord. You've got Abraham offering gifts to uh, Melchizedek, bringing a tithe to, to the high priest. And, I, all of these things just go back to first fruits. At the end of the day, wherever you land on like, should I tithe, should I give, should I do this, what do I do with money, what do I do with what God's given me, all I know is that Proverbs 3 is very clear. Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10 say, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. 
So we could go into a huge contextual argument and discussion about giving and systems and all of that, but at the end of the day, that is like, that, it's like, let's sum it up. Solomon was always good, like the Proverbs, they're always good at uh, breaking things down to take very complex issues, and how do I do a one-liner so people get it, <laughs> right? Isn't that what Proverbs are for? It's like, let's take something super complex and give it a one-liner so that it just like, it, it sinks from like, from, from here, it, it, you know, like 10 inches down to here. That's the goal. So now most of us, even with that, it says honor with the first fruits of your produce, right? right? Like not, not most of us are agricultural giants, right? Like I try to plant something and it dies. So I'm not, I'm not growing any produce anytime soon. Um, you know, but most of us make our living by being paid by an employer for the most part. So the, the idea would be that you give God your best by giving the first fruits of your labor. Whatever it is that you're doing, it's in honoring the Lord and giving him glory for providing in the first place. So the, in, in the scriptures, talking about the first fruits, the tenth, what is holy to the Lord, what belongs to the Lord, that's just a start. It's just a start to, to bring this down to earth. Like, I mean, if I make $100... God is saying that $10 is holy to him. It belongs to him. It's his. It's his. It's not even mine to do with. It's not that I can say like, well, what do I want to do with this? It's like, no, that's, that's his. And then it's like from that, the 90, it's like, okay, now, okay, Lord, what do I get to do with this now? <laughs> you know? And that's, that's, that's good news. He, he's, he's into like partnering with us. Um, but for me, I just see it as non-negotiable. So that's one of the assumptions I'm, I'm coming away with that I'm not going to get into. But Beyond giving the Lord what is his, he also calls us to be generous in general. And here are some scriptures just to get us thinking. I, don't, I uh, did not have this up here, but um, yeah, I'm going to do this. Uh, Mark 12, uh, in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, it says, And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. How many people knew Jesus was a people watcher? You ever go to the store and watch people? <laughs> I never noticed that before. I'm like, oh, Jesus, just sitting down like, hey, I'm just going to watch people. <laughs> but he watched people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Wow. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Wow. Wow. One of the only places in Scripture, try and find it, <laughs> that we'll find where we can put the Lord in a borrower state. Try and find it. When you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. You become the Lord's lender. That's, that's, that's actually like... Because that's his heart for the poor. It's his heart for us to be generous. It's his heart for us to know that it's, it's sometimes better for us to feel the pinch so someone else doesn't have to feel the squeeze. Watch out, Billy. I'll start preaching. 
In 2 Corinthians 9, it says this. I think I did I, uh, this one. Yeah, sweet. All right. Don't know where I'm going now. Getting lost. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this. Paul speaking, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Your smile when you give. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Continuing on, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Wow. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. It's like giving. It's like the thanks comes with it. <laughs> For the ministry of the, uh, sorry, by their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Wow, your giving is tied in with a confession of the gospel. And the generosity of your contribution for them and all the others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Paul was coming to the Corinthian church expecting a gift. He said, hey, we've got believers in need. Where's the church? Don't you know that when you give to people who, who, are, who are struggling, who are in need, don't you know that that's just like, that's just a Thanksgiving offering to the Lord? How much that blesses him. When we look at someone who's in need and, and you know, who, who is struggling and, and we help them out. It's not saying keep them attached so they keep doing it, but it's like in the context of this, it's, hey, okay, like when somebody needs a hand, what do you do? What do you do? God's heart is for the poor. And so this idea of generosity is such a key link in God's economy. Paul is saying that generosity begets generosity. Generosity leads to more generosity. It's it, like he's saying, you sow the seed, and it's like, oh, here comes here come some more seeds. <laughs> here comes some more seeds for sowing. Thank you for sowing that seed. Here's some more seeds so you can continue sowing. But God wants to use us to always bless those who have less than even us. And here's the message in a nutshell. You meet other people's needs, God will meet yours. That's his promise. That's his promise. You step in and be the hands and feet of Jesus, he'll take care of you. If we just spend money on ourselves, that has no eternal reward. We need to discern the season we are in with what we have been given. Is it for my need or is it for sowing seed? Which one is it? Which one is it? It better not be for greed. And that's all I got. Because of the other three words there. It's interesting. I was talking with Josiah, who's not here today, but um, we, we got in a, a topic about finances and and he's like you know it's funny as we've you know we're kind of we challenge each other in different areas where we're at and seasons and um you know he he made a really profound statement to me that's really stuck with me um 
And, uh, he, you know, we were talking about just going out and buying stuff. You know, like, hey, oh, like, if I go, oh, like, love this thing. Oh, this cool thing. Buy, buy this. Oh I, love, oh, I could put that in my house. I could do. And um, he goes, so funny, because he's like, I, we just had this revelation of, you know, I'll go out and buy something and be like, oh, that would be so cool to have. But then as soon as, if someone says, hey, like, I need something. I need some help. Immediately you get all religious and like, well, I got to pray about it. I got to see what the Lord says about this. You know, but it's like, there was no, let's see what the Lord says about this when I went and threw down 20 bucks on paying for whatever thing that's going to get thrown away eventually. Come on. That's just good. That hurts. And that hurt me. When he said it, I was like, dang, you got me. Like, reading my mail. So like I said, I'm preaching myself. Wish I wasn't, but I am. So generosity. So God wants us to be generous. And God also wants to teach us about capacity in his economy. Capacity. Capacity is so important. What you are capable of, what you have ability for, this is such a key link in really living in God's economy and, and managing things well. God not only wants us to be generous with what he's given us, but he also does expect us to manage it well. He expects us to manage it well. Jesus... Um, Jesus makes a statement. He says, one who is, who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you uh, to the, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either you hate the one, love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. We talked about that. That's Luke 16. So this idea of being faithful, it's like, what are you being faithful with what you've been given now? I don't care if that's a lot, if it's a little, if it's, if it's microscopic. What are you doing with what you've been given? That's the question. It's not, well, Lord, if I had more money, I would do blah, blah, blah. You know, we have to do, uh, if I won the lottery, right? Who, who's doing if I won the lottery? I would do blah, da, da, da. And, I, and maybe some people would. And I think we've had discussions that, like, yeah, like maybe some people would. But ultimately, it's like, don't worry about the woulda, shoulda, coulda. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, woulda, shoulda. How do you say that? Woulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I don't, I don't know which one. I never know which one comes first. Um, but the idea that you need to steward what you have currently. It's a matter of what you have right now. Right now. Jesus knows that there are limits to what we can, we can carry. He knows there are limits. He, uh, if we violate these boundaries, we can become useless. We, we get crushed um, under the weight of it. I mean, we aren't the, the savior of the world, but uh, there is always enough capacity, however, for everything God has, has called me to accomplish. There is enough capacity, however, for God, everything God has called me to accomplish. Um, if we don't understand our limitations in life, uh, things can blow up pretty quickly. Things can blow up. Uh, on the other hand, one of the exciting things that I'm coming to realize is that uh, we can actually increase our personal capacity. In fact, it's, it's in our ability to grow our capacity that can actually attribute to embracing God's economy. There's, um, there's this lesson to be learned in Matthew 25, I think. Yep, I think I did. Yay. Didn't know which ones I did. Okay. But there's a lesson to be learned in Matthew 25, and we'll pick up right in verse 14. 
Jesus. Uh, this passage is referencing talents. You'll hear the word talent. Um, a talent would just be roughly about thirty thousand uh, dollars in our day. Thirty, I mean, give or take. So this is what Jesus says. He says, "For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents." to another two, and to another one. Now look at this. To each according to his ability. Say that. According to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. So stop. So, so this third guy is the one we don't want to be. <laughs> if you can start to see the, the writing on the wall. He knew, he knew what was expected. Anybody? He knew what was expected of him but he couldn't quite bring himself to follow through. It's like like getting pulled over for speeding and telling the officer, like, I knew that speeding was wrong, so I went faster. I mean, logic. We're stuck in logic. So continuing on, it says, but his master, the next one, his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at coming, my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So, but wait, it gets worse for this guy. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. It just like undoes me. You know, because in today's society, like, I mean, if you were, you know, between political landscapes and everyone kind of, you know, hey, the rich shouldn't have so much money and this and the, you know, and like, and this is Jesus saying this. This is tough. (laughs) Take from the person who barely has anything and give it to the person who has more. Let that fry your noodle for a little bit (laughs) as you consider economics. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this just undoes me. Cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) 
Yeah. Jesus meek and mild, everyone. And there's even a similar parable in the, in, within the Synoptic Gospels in Luke in chapter 19. As you read that, kind of gives you a different, different lens, same idea um, on the minas instead of talents. But you can follow up on that this week, reading, getting the Bible, Luke 19. So here are some basic takeaways I come from this idea of being entrusted, our capacity, what we do with what we've been given. What we have been given in life is directly proportionate to our capacity to steward it well. He even says, according to his ability, certain amounts were given. It wasn't like there was like an unjust like system of like, well, I'll just do this and give you some and we'll see who does what with what and like we'll just roll the dice and see what happens. It said, according to their ability, he gave them. Each of the servants in this passage was given the money equal to his ability. And how many uh, here have, you know, like I said before, the lottery, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. Um, for me, it's just look no further than what you do with what you currently have. What, it, what is it that we've done? Whether it's money, whether it's, it's a gifting, whether it's a talent. How are we using this in God's kingdom? How are we using what God's given us to further advance the kingdom of God? That's, that's a challenge today. Um, number two, if you are faithful, takeaway number two, if you are faithful, both your investment and your capacity for wealth will grow. I mean, two of the servants were faithful with what they had. He said, hey, guess what? Here, here comes some more. Because I know I can trust you with what I've given you. I see that you're, 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 you're taking action. And that leads to my third takeaway is risk expands your capacity for wealth. That is, whatever you don't use, you lose. We talk about this in School of Kingdom Ministry from a, a, a healing perspective, right? Miracles, you know, like all, we talk about faith is spelled in the kingdom. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It takes risk. Everything that we do, everything we do in the kingdom needs to involve risk where we take a chance, where we actually take a chance and say, you know what, God, I don't really understand all the implications. I don't understand what the, what the outcome will be, but I know that you'll be with me when I get there. No matter what that risk is, whether it's praying for the cripple, whether it's helping someone out in a hard time, whether it's, you know, uh, Deciding to say, hey, you know what, like I've been at odds with this person and you know what, I'm going to be the first person to go to them and say, I'm sorry. That's big. It's risk. It's risk. But the thing is, we see that Jesus in this, he's honoring those who are risk takers. Those who would take the risk. Um, the third servant, the thing I see in this, he, he hid he hid what was given to him out of fear of failure. Fear of what would happen. Fear of the, the future. Fear of the unknown. And then the result was the master took the money that even he had and he gave it to the guy who already had more money. Oh. God wants to grow us beyond the point of just making payments and into making investments. He wants to break us from a poverty mindset of just thinking about, you know, well, how am I just going to take care of today? It's like, no, like, how are you going to take care of your grandchildren? <laughs> it's future thinking. It's always future thinking with the Lord. It's always looking ahead and seeing down the road and not just being, see, see what happens is we get so gripped with today. That's why 
Isn't that why Jesus says in Matthew, he says, hey, don't, don't be worried about today. Don't be anxious. You know, all the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, all that. He's, he's saying, hey, you've got a future to look forward to. You've got a road to look down. And so it's, about, it's going beyond just today. It's looking to the future. And finally, so going from generosity to capacity, the last thing I want to talk about is reciprocity. <clears throat> I know pastors talked about this in the past. So I always love it. He gives me some good, good things to think about when he teaches on this. But the law of reciprocity can be summed up fairly easy. Whatever, whatever you put out, you will get back. And then some. <laughs> you know, now some would call this karma. You know, people say, oh, karma's a... Well, they say something you know, I don't say in church, you know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, some, some similar take to that. But, you know, they'll attribute it. Hey, what goes around comes around, man. You know, oh, they'll get theirs, you know. I was like, it's always when it's a negative thing. No one's like, hey, you get blessed. <laughs> it's like always like hoping something bad will happen you know what I mean like it's like karma is always like a negative but the scriptures are clear God's word is clear you you plant apple seeds you will get apples from that tree you you not only will you get apples you will get seeds in those apples it's multiplication you know a tree by its fruit you see what it's bearing you see the, the the results of it and in Galatians 6, Paul's very clear. It's starting in verse 7. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Hmm. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Uh, it's amazing how before I came to know the Lord, I had some pretty, I just had stuff hanging over my head, whether it was finances and other stuff. And you know what the amazing thing about being in Christ is? Is that I, I was sowing some pretty corruptible seed in my past. But as soon as I came to be in Christ, you know, therefore, he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I was able to start sowing seeds in the Spirit. I was able to, to turn that around. So even though what I was reaping at the time, even when I got saved, you know, life wasn't amazing. Life wasn't, you know, all, you know, like roses and whiskers and kittens. It was pretty, like, it was not good. And, but I trusted God in the middle of it. And what I was dealing with was I was, I was dealing with, I, I was reaping what I had been sowing for years in my life. I, w- I was just like, I was, it was an abundant harvest. <laughs> I didn't like it. But the thing I knew that was awesome is this actually gives me hope because in some ways people are like, oh, no, no, you got to be careful. What you sow, you, what do you sow, you reap. It's like, no, I look at it, it's like, yo, this is good. <laughs> this is actually really good news. This is the gospel because it means I can start sowing some new seed. <laughs> I'll start getting a new harvest. I'll start getting a new harvest, and, and it may take time. So, so that's why Paul says, don't give up. Because <laughs> you, you sow a seed once, and it's like, you, do you ever, you, you know, with kids, if you plant in the ground, and, like, they're out the next day, like, hey, is it, like, is something, like, growing? You know? It, and, like, teaching them, nope, it's going to be a while. <laughs> you know, and so we do that with the Lord. Like, hey, we, Lord, Lord, I did this good deed. Like, is the Brinks truck rolling in? Or, uh, you know, the, <laughs> you know whatever. It's like, no, like, it takes time. 
takes persistence. Anything in the kingdom is perseverance, amen? Don't give up. And finally, I want to uh, just speak out of Luke 6. This is a, I mean, Martha uses this scripture uh, a bunch when we just take up tithes and offerings for giving in our, in our time of at uh, that point in our services. But I think this is so important because it's the, knowing that when you give, you can't outgive God. God's very generous. And, and it's where we find him in the trusting, we're risk-taking, that God just gives us abundantly above and beyond. So in Luke 6, starting in 27, verse 27, Jesus says this. And this is, this, like I said, it's not just money. This is a mindset. It's a worldview. It's kingdom. This, this, this involves, it, it's a holistic, it's not a piece of pie, it's the whole, it's, it's the whole thing. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Hey, just, just go nuts. <laughs> Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back to the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Wow. And here's the cap. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is a big deal. And I think this is something that a lot of believers don't take seriously. Because this is what happens in finances. It's what happens in relationships. It's what happens in the workplace. It's what happens with our own health. We think we can make decisions. We think we can do things not expecting that there will be consequences. What we do, our words we speak, the relationships we make, the transactions that we make in the kingdom are divine transactions and they have power. They have power, and they set us up for a future that's really determined by the measure we use. I'll finish it with this. Put some feet to this. To capture the, the full meaning of, its, uh, of, of this truth, I think we need to know a little more about the terms good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know, people have heard that. Maybe that's new to you if you're if just hearing that today. But in reality, these were farming terms, okay? Again, I'm not the agricultural guy, so I'm, I'm going with, I, that's why I study this stuff, because I wasn't actually doing it. Um, but according to instructions in the Old Testament, specifically even starting Le- Leviticus 23 and other, and other areas, farmers in Israel were to leave the grain in the corners of their fields for the poor. That was, that's right out of Leviticus. You, you know, remember the poor. 
Remember the poor. God's heart from the beginning. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. Leave the grain in the corners of the field for the poor. And so at each year when they'd harvest out of the field, they were to take two sets of harvesters, okay? The primary harvesters were the workers. They would be in the middle of the field, and they were being paid to bring the crop and the poor people in the corners who were harvesting the crop to feed themselves and their families. Okay, so you, that's kind of got field going on. Primary harvesters out in the middle would fill up their baskets, carry them over to the barn, wagon, whatever the, you know, whatever they were, the container was. They would then dump them out, go back to the field, fill up the baskets again. So to these workers, it didn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really matter how full their baskets were. I mean, they could fill it up top. They could fill it up low, just keep going back and forth. Um, they were being paid by the hour. They don't care. Just, just workers. Just workers, you know. But they needed to stay busy and keep working until all the grain was in the barn. That was the end, that was the end job. Just make sure it all gets in there. I don't, I don't care, you know, like, feel like the, you know, it's the fight when, how many, how many people like me like to bring in all the groceries in one, in one swing? <laughs> you know, you don't make two trips with the groceries. You do just one and fill up, the, you load up the arms. You get rings around your arms from having so many bags on it. <laughs> but this was not the case, however, for the poor people. Okay? This is where they were at a disadvantage. The poor people working in the corners of the field, that field was probably nowhere near their home. They probably walked several miles uh, just to get there. Uh, and however much food they could get in their baskets would be the amount of food available to their families. So they had life and death incentive to get as much in that basket as possible. So if you were in that position, you would first make sure you had put in good measure, not just a partial measure. And then you would press it down. You would compress the grains together to create more room. So after topping the basket off again, you would then shake it to eliminate any air spaces between the grains. Having done all that, you would then pour in as much grain as you possibly could heaping it above the rim until it spilled over the sides. So that was the trick. <laughs> Good measure, pressed down, shaken, running over. So it's one thing to receive a free basket of, of free, or receive a basket of free grain. It's, it's a far better thing to receive a basket with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So that's why the Lord chose to use these terms in talking about this idea of reciprocity, giving and He knew his listeners in Israel would instantly connect with the point he was trying to make. What he communicated was that whatever you give, you're going to get a lot more of the same in return. This is a universal principle with God. It's not, it's not karma. It's, not, it's just it's, it's reciprocity. It's, it's what God has written into the very fabric of the universe. You always receive back more than you give. Wow. This is what the Lord offers to us. But he says it's based on the measure that we use. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to kind of jump. So, yeah, so covered some ground there. So generosity, capacity, reciprocity, somewhere in there, there's something the Lord's speaking to you, hopefully. 
And I know we're all in a different season of what we may have to give. Uh, there's always going to be people who have more than us, right? You can always look perspective, right? Like, oh, that person has way more than me. But there's always those who have less than us, right? But the thing we are accountable for at the end of the day is what did I do with what God gave me? What did I do with what he gave me? Not what he gave to my neighbor. I can't worry about that. I can't worry about what, you know, like, well, my, na- my, my neighbor has this. No, like, you know, when he returns, it's like, what will he find? What will he find with what I have done with what he's given to me? In what way did I manage it? Now, I've talked a lot about money. I've been addressing a worldview at large. Um, but we have so much in what God's given to us. We all have time. We all have talent. We all have skills. We all have currency of some sort. Like, God has given us a lot. He's given us strengths. He's given us giftings, right? God blesses us so that we can bless others. That's the whole point. He, ble- he uses us as a conduit. It's like, I'm going to bless you, and through you, the nations will be blessed. <laughs> I love the, uh, the, remember the movie, Pay It Forward? That, that became, like, a big thing. That was, that was the, like, you know, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it's, like, sacrilegious to say it was better than WWJD. I don't know, you know. Um, well, just it actually put some feet to actually doing what Jesus would do. <laughs> um, but I love that pay it forward movement for a while. And I mean, pe- people still do it. Ah, pay it forward, pay it forward. You know, like, I, I feel like the pay it forward is like Dunkin' Donuts. I see that on Facebook so many times. Like, oh, I went to get a coffee. Oh, someone paid. Oh, God is amazing. You know, like, it's like, because someone paid for the medium regular with, ex, you know, read extra, extra or something. <laughs> but the thing is, it gets everyone feeling good about being generous. It gets everyone realizing, hey, you know what? Like, giving is good. Giving is a good thing. Um, but things like that will only be sustainable if they have roots. And our root is Jesus Christ. It's the cross. It's that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's our foundation of giving. He is, he is the generous one. As Paul said, he is the one who makes all grace abound to us. He is the one who can bring breakthrough into our lives when we need it. Uh, but we need to evaluate what we've been doing with what we've been giving uh, us. And the good news is that we can start new. If, we've, if we haven't been generous, if we haven't realized my capacity is limited, if we haven't seen that, hey, what I put out is what I'm going to get back, if we haven't really taken that seriously, it's a good time to evaluate that, to see, okay, God, where can I start to develop better spending habits? Where can I start to just see, okay, God, where are you moving in this? And I see that need, and oh, man, like, I know that I'm kind of, it's kind of tight for me right now, but dang, like, that family, it's like, it's sad to see them going through this. What can I do? What can, what can we do to help? And you know, if we've been sowing sparingly in our lives, if we've been lacking that generosity, um, the good news is that can change. And so, um, I don't know. This kind of stuff, you know, like, I don't know where to, it's not like necessarily ministry time or anything like that because I've been talking about money. <laughs> you know, um, you know just, uh, just this whole idea of the household of faith. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's risk. It's... Um, it's just something that the Lord wants his people. You know, sometimes it gets, times get tough, right? And we'd all be like, man, if, if times were tough for me, like, I'd want to know that someone would help me if I was ever down and out, right? 
I mean, that's one of the reasons why the food pantry is such a staple for this ministry. It, we want to remember the poor. We, wanna, we see the struggle that happens in the, our community, and we say, hey, like, we get it. Like, some people, you know, who are like, I would never, ima- I'd never imagine myself here, but dang, like, I got to humble myself, and I, I'm in need. I need some help. I need to, you know, I, I just, I'm in need of help. And it's so nice to know that we are a place that can offer that help. Amen? I just, I am so appreciative of the workers and the food pantry here and that we do maintain that vigilance, you know, to help out those in need. But I think God does want us, want to bring us into a place of abundance, that it's not just a poverty mentality or it's always going to be, well, I'm always lacking, I'm always, you know, no, it's like he wants us to be generous because he is the generous one. He wants us to trust in that when we give, when we are putting those things out and say, hey, I know that this was, this is pretty close to like the bills and I want to make sure I pay this, but I understand this person's in need. It's like, what do I do? And in those times, I think it's just, it's like taking that risk and trusting that God is going to be your anchor if you're really struggling with the idea of helping out someone or, or, or providing that need, right? I mean, ever, anyone ever been there? Like, you know, I want to get, I don't know. I just don't know what I should do, how I should do it. And I don't know. I just felt compelled. Even I've been preparing for this message for, for weeks. And, um, and this, so this, is, this actually happened even, uh, well, before just the last week. But I honestly, I think if it's okay, I'm, I'm asking if it's okay, and I'm just going to start talking. So um, uh, it's okay? All right, thank you. But I really sense that in this place, we are to take up an offering for the Lavoie family. I really believe that we need to take up some kind of offering from this church community for Dave Lavoie and Cindy Lavoie. Um, they are a family who's been a part of this church, and they, they have a lot of stuff they've got going on in their lives. And I mean, but you don't know, Dave's kind of always involved behind the scenes here, and you don't really see him that much. But, um, but man, you know, he, this is a guy, he just suffered a heart attack. He's, he's been in a, actually back in the hospital still. Um, and, you know, he's the main provider of their family. And, you know, dang, you know, they're, str- they're, they're going to hit a real struggle if they don't get some help. And so I thought, what better way than if we as the church can give to them, even what we have today, and give us an opportunity to really be the hands and feet of Jesus for this family who's in need. It's the Lord's heart. Like I said, it's sometimes you need to feel the pinch so someone else doesn't have to feel the squeeze. And so I would just encourage you. I know we've got baskets up here. I don't know if we go out with them or if you guys just want to come up and give what you feel led to give today to the Lavoie family. But um, there are other ways to give to them. They have a GoFundMe. And so if you're like online giver and you're all into that technology or you're like, hey, I can get a check and come back later or whatever, we can, we can do that as well. Yeah? And just make a check out to LRVC, and we'll, we'll handle that and just memo, you know, the Lavoie's. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of my ministry time today. It's like if, if there's something that you have and can give to a family that's like, I mean, they, they, really, they really need us, especially, especially generous to the household of faith. That's where I'm at today. And so, um, yeah. I want to pray first, and then if the Lord's putting something on your heart today, if you have a question about get, maybe you can't give something right today, you want to, talk to me or Pastor Dick, and we'll figure out how we can handle that. Um, but, yeah, let's pray.
So, Father, I thank you for all of your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord, that you use us to be your hands and feet, that you are a generous God, that um, you have put in some practical principles into our lives of how to handle what we've been given. And Lord, it's only because of your generosity, your provision that we even have what we have in the first place. And Lord, you, you let us do stuff with your stuff. You let us make decisions with what is rightfully yours. And so I just pray that in this place today, we would, um, Lord, we would just be, we, we would be pruned. <laughs> We would be pruned. We, Lord, you would cut back the branches that don't bear the fruit. And, Lord, that only what bears fruit would remain. And um, just pray that we would think differently about the things you've given to us. And, uh, and we just bless you in this place today. Amen. Amen. So if you've got something you want to give, we do have baskets up here. And, um, and like I said, if you had a question about giving later on to that family, I can help. Or you talk to Pastor Dick. Amen. Thanks, guys.